0: I have the privilege to meet with uh, people who are considering joining our journey. One of the things I often say to them is there are three or four times a year when it's all hands on deck, three or four times a year when we encourage you to have a guest by your side. You know, I think it's awesome. It changes how we worship, as I've said before, when we have a guest with us. But two or three times a year, we encourage you to invite someone to be with you. And one of those opportunities is coming up November the 3rd. Now that's what we call Overflow Sunday. If you're a guest today or a fairly new member, uh, we do some special things on that day. We invite typically a special guest a speaker to be with us. It's on that Sunday we have only one uh, service, and so we like to fill this room. Uh, we worship a little longer. Uh, we reflect on uh, what God has been doing among us. And then we also have, have a meal. And so I want to encourage you, if you would, to be thinking about someone you can have with you on November the third. We have some uh, invitations in the back and in the on the um, circular table in the foyer area. Uh, pick up a couple of those, hand those to a friend, mail those to a friend. Also on that day, we have a, a, a guest or we have a um, a meal at the end of our service. Everybody's invited. Just a wonderful uh, time to to enjoy fellowship together. Uh, And so what we always do is the week before, that's next Sunday morning, we take up a special contribution. So if you'll be thinking uh, about helping us with that, that would be uh, fantastic. We like to defray the cost of that meal with that uh, special contribution. It's going to be an awesome day. David Skidmore will be our guest speaker this year. Uh, David is a well-known speaker. Uh, He is the youth minister at North Boulevard Church, and, and he's excited about being with us And so it's going to be fantastic. So this morning, we're continuing our message series from Isaiah chapter 40. I know some of you might be thinking to yourself, Isaiah again? And yet I found this section of Scripture to be so, so rich. And so today we're going to be camping in Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verses 12 through 14. And just a few moments ago, as Scotty read the Scripture to us, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a series of rhetorical questions that Isaiah asks. Isaiah asks, Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as a counselor? And if we were to answer that, we would say, well, of course, no one. Or he asks, whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Or who taught him the right way? Obviously, the Lord consulted no one. Or who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? The answer to all those questions is, Not a single person, because God is almighty. God is all-knowing. The Lord doesn't need someone to instruct him or to enlighten him. In this message series, Behold Our God, we've seen how that God is powerful. And that we access that power by faith. And we've seen that that God is compassionate. Compassionate that God embraces us, and God goes looking for the lost sheep, and he, he picks up that sheep that's lost and holds the sheep close to his chest. We've seen that, that God is a God whose word endures forever. And this morning, we're going to take a look at the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Something I appreciate more and more as I read the Bible is its radical continuity. That is, there's this connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I haven't always believed this. I haven't always seen this, this beautiful continuity between the Testaments. In fact, there's probably a time in my life when I, I considered, you know, I, I saw that the Old Testament, well, that's for a previous time. Now, we're New Testament Christians. If we're not careful, we end up truncating our, our canon and yet now I've come to see is we need both Testaments, amen? Now I come, I've come to see that the Old Testament and the New Testament make one beautiful story. One anticipates the other, the other fulfills the other. I once heard it described like this, and I, I think it's accurate. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed, and the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed some even call as I've mentioned in previous sermons the book of Isaiah the fifth gospel they refer to it as the fifth gospel because there are so many references in Isaiah especially in Isaiah 40 to the New Testament we find all these images and pictures from Isaiah in the New Testament and so today uh, as i was reading this passage of scripture isaiah 40 12 through 14 i came to realize that paul in the new testament picks up the ideas in those three verses and applies them to congregations and to people he is writing to or addressing and so i kind of quite frankly had a struggle this week i thought i really want to show how we learn something about the wisdom and knowledge of god from what paul writes in he, in uh, Romans 11 and 1 Corinthians 2, but I was wrestling with what passage do I camp on? That's one of the big questions a preacher has every week. I mean, really, we have only one message, but there's so many books, and there's so many things to preach, and there are so many messages. And so I thought to myself, instead of focusing on just one New Testament passage, I thought I'd look at both. And so today, the messages are going to come primarily from Romans chapter 11, we're going to see what Paul does with these ideas in Isaiah 40 and 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Romans 11. So you might want to flip over in your device or in your, in your Bible to Romans chapter 11, 33 to 36. And I read these few verses to you just a moment ago as we had this call to worship. It's that beautiful passage of Scripture that Paul comes to after he writes all of this, this rich and dense theology in Romans chapters 1 through 11. And then we come to 33. Romans eleven thirty three, And in verses 33 through 36, it's, it's this bridge passage. Paul writes this beautiful theology, but then he he puts his pen down, and he does something really interesting. You know, one of the things about Paul is he's supremely practical. When Paul is writing theology, he doesn't just give us this rich theology so we can sit back and think about all of the the grandeur and the majesty and the beauty and the wisdom and and power of God. We, We have all that, and we need to do that. But he always applies it in such practical and specific ways. But in Romans, Paul doesn't get in a hurry. You have Romans 1 through 11. We have these amazing doctoral themes. And then he pauses in verse 13. When you think for a moment about Romans 1 through 11, oh man, the theology, the teaching in those chapters, it's, it's just amazing. Paul begins giving us the theme of the entire book in Romans 1, verse 16. Those very familiar words where Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel a, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous... live by faith Paul wants us to know this gospel this this incredible good news it's for everyone it's for Jews and Greeks for rich and poor for Americans and and other people. it's for everyone the gospel is for all and Paul wants us to know that this gospel can so impact and change your life it can it can give you this incredible sense of joy, he mentions that, and peace, he says that in Romans chapter 5. And we wonder, well, how do we, how do we have access to this gospel? What well, is by faith. And what, is, what does faith look like? We have this beautiful picture of it in Romans chapter 6 faith looks like men and women embracing this gospel repenting of their sins and experiencing baptism dying to themselves being raised in the newness of life Oh, the gospel has amazing implications he wants us to know that this gospel is not merely a a private or personal thing its implications are bigger than we can even imagine it has far-reaching implications so in Romans 8 Paul says the whole The whole world, the whole creation is groaning in anticipation that the sons and daughters of God would be revealed. You see, the gospel has implications for creation. One day, we're going to be part of the new heaven and the new earth. There'll be no more wars, no more divisions, no more hurricanes, no more more tornadoes, no more poverty. Everything will be made right. And this is anticipated in Isaiah 65 and 66 and we see it fulfilled in Revelation 21 and 22. The gospel, it has implications for all of creation, but the gospel even has implications for these bodies. Paul tells us in Romans 8:23 that there were waiting for the redemption of our bodies. These bodies are going to be redeemed, meaning we're going to be given a brand new body. You know, that didn't mean much to me when I was in my twenties. But now in my fifties, oh it means something. I mean (laughs) Amen. I mean now my now in my my fifties, you know, I I've been injured in my sleep. I mean it's it's crazy. You know, in my my fifties everything starts to break down. I'll never forget when I first moved here. And, and I decided I, I would play basketball with some guys in their late teens, early 20s. And we were in the gym. We were playing. First 10, 15 minutes, man, I am keeping up. And I'm thinking to myself, I am doing great. Man, I am fit. 30 minutes into it, it's a different story. 30 minutes, I am struggling. And these guys in their late teens, early 20s, it's like they haven't even broken a sweat. And about 45 minutes into it, I'm, I'm like this going, like that. And I'll never forget, this 18-year-old kid came up to me. I'll never talk to him again. But anyway, this 18-year-old kid came up to me, and he grabs me by the shoulders, and he looks in my eyes, and he says, are you going to be okay? (laughs) See, I am going to be okay, because one day I'm going to be given a brand new resurrected body, and I can play basketball forever. I'm going to be given a brand new body that's not going to be susceptible to sin or disease You see, the gospel has far-reaching implications. And so like a beautiful piece of music, the song in Romans, it builds and builds. Beautiful harmonies, wonderful moves, until we reach the high point in Romans 11. And we come to verse 33. Listen for just a moment to the passion in Paul's voice. He's written about all these wonderful things. And he says in verse 33, Oh, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. And his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. These words, especially in the middle of that reading, these words come from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 34 and 35. Paul has been talking about this gospel that's rooted in who God is, and for a moment, Paul stops talking about all of that. He puts his pen down, and what does he do? He worships. Theology becomes doxology. Here's something really important for us to understand, friends. The more we study his ways, the more we want to offer him praise. It was Kent Hughes who put it like this Our study of God and His ways among us should turn our hearts to music. And that's what we see here. Paul says, Oh, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God, I see, I truly believe a deeper appreciation for God leads to more passionate and intimate worship of God. We see this in Paul's life. All this beautiful theology in chapters 1 through 11, and then, and then in verse 33 of chapter 11, he uses this little word, this little word that's so important. It's the word oh. O. Oh, the depths. Oh, it's the sigh or groan of an enraptured heart. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and of knowledge of God. What is he talking about? He's talking about all the things he's just described in chapters 1 through 11. He's talking about all the things we've just talked about. He's talking about the beauty of the gospel. And friends, ultimately, if we, need to, if we understand the gospel, the gospel is the story of rescue and redemption that begins with God. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. One of the things that we've been doing as a church is developing a heart for uh, adoption, for fostering kids. And that really makes sense, doesn't it, when you think about, um, you know, we're gospel people and we have been adopted. And so it would make sense that we would develop a heart to adopt other people. And so as Wilson said a moment ago, next Saturday is our 5K and, and fund run, raising funds so that we can be a church that adopts and fosters kids. But one of our families, Richard and Tara Beard, right now are in the process of adopting three teenage children in Ukraine and they've been there uh, for the last week and uh, I talked to Hope just a minute ago and she said they'll probably be there a couple of more weeks and and then Lord willing they'll bring their three children home. For 10 months one of those children, Sirhi, has been texting Richard and Tara and he would text these words, we wait for you in Ukraine. And so last Sunday, when, when Tara's plane touched down, she texted Siri, We come to you in Ukraine. I couldn't help but think how, how that encapsulates the gospel. Because, see, we were like orphans with no future, no hope. And what did God do? God in Jesus' left the glory and splendor of heaven to come and to reach out to us. Paul, for 11 chapters, has been writing about all these rich and complex and dense themes, and finally comes to 1133, and it's then that he worships. He bows in worship. And so as we So we see something about the wisdom of God. We see something about the knowledge of God, the beauty of God. What does it lead us to do? It leads us to be men and women of worship. We talk a lot about worship renewal, and it's been a healthy conversation, I think, in churches of Christ. But understand, worship renewal begins as we develop a deeper, better, clearer, more beautiful picture of God. And as we do that, we're drawn into spaces like this to worship and adore him. Now, that was the first verse. One more verse, and this is going to be quick, and then, we're going to, then we'll sing a song. One more verse Paul alludes to using these ideas in Isaiah 40 is found in First Corinthians chapter 2. In First Corinthians 2 and verse 16, at the end of the paragraph, Paul says this, For who has known the mind of the Lord that, that he may instruct him? Paul lifts that idea out of Isaiah chapter 40. And so he takes this idea and he begins to expound on it, and the verse raises really an interesting question. How can we know a God who cannot be seen and whose ways are past finding out? Paul is writing to a struggling church, a divided, carnal, immature church in Corinth. And Paul says, let me give you the answer. It's through the Holy Spirit. Romans 11, we find the knowledge of God leads to worship. In 1 Corinthians 2, we find the Spirit of God leads to wisdom. Wisdom. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10, the Spirit of God searches all things, even the deep things of God. And then he uses this interesting analogy. He says in the next paragraph, you see, you really can't know what's going on in another person's heart, can you? I mean, I really can't know what's going on in Stephen's heart. I can look at his body language. I can look at how he responds. I don't really know. We really can't know what's going on in each other's heart. I think there might be one exception to that rule I think my wife knows what's going on in my life at all times it just seems like she's able to read me like a book it's quite amazing but by large we really can't know what's going on in the life in the heart of another person but you see I have a spirit I have an essence in the deepest place, I know. I know what I'm thinking. I know what's, what's going on in my heart. I, I know the things that keep me up at night. I know the things that bring deep, deep joy to my life. So Paul says, well, the Holy Spirit's like that. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 11, the latter part, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit, you see, is the great revealer. Through the Spirit, God's will or God's mind is known. The Spirit of God reveals the deep things of God. And then Paul makes this astounding statement when he says, we have been given the Spirit of God. Why have we been given the Spirit? Verse 12, the latter part, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And then Paul tells us in verse 14, The man without the Spirit cannot accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But then he says, he concludes the paragraph by saying, But we have the mind of Christ. God, you see, is still speaking today. The question is, are we listening? We want to be men and women who are discerning, men and women who are filled with wisdom. Where does that come? That comes as we listen carefully, especially as God speaks to us today through the pages of his written word. If you want to develop the wisdom of God that comes by reading the word of God by the spirit of God, then let me give you two or three things we'll close with. Two or three things that might help us as we strive to develop this wisdom that God wants us to have, one is we need to make sure that we're spending a lot of time and not rush time in the Word of God. We need to make sure that we're opening up the Word of God and and just opening our minds to what we find there. The second thing is we need to make sure we confess sin. Someone has once said, this book will keep you away from sin and sin will keep you away from this book. Sin has a way of separating us from God. We have a hard time hearing from God when we're living a life of, of sin. And maybe one subtle sin that we struggle with is a subtle form of pride that says, well, I've read that before. I know that. There's nothing else I can learn. And then finally, trust and apply what the Lord teaches us. Jesus says, here's what a, who a wise man is. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24, a wise man is the, or woman is the person who hears these words and puts them into so this morning, I find a word of God for two groups of people. You may say to yourself today, I feel far from God. There's a word in this message for you because you see, in, as we read the gospel, we understand that we are so we matter so much to God and God sent his son into the world to seek us and to rescue us. And today, you can be found, you can come to him. But there's a word here for those who are near God not only is God still seeking and he'll seek you he is seeking you but the word for those who who are near God is God is still speaking and perhaps today today is your day to listen to God and respond to what he is saying today if you've come into this this room and you're struggling we would love to be blessing to you and help you we'll have elder couples in the back Or this morning, if you need to respond in any way to the invitation, perhaps you need to respond to Jesus to be baptized or in some other way, come as we stand and as we sing. Let's sing together.